sir, we promised you a great man here tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the number one sports and recreation podcast in the world. It is Cheap Heat. It is me, Peter Rosenberg, a.k.a. the Mage One, a.k.a. the maker of the man who makes the shoes, a.k.a. Greg, a.k.a. Smarky Smarks, regular kids, nerds, jocks. Monday Night Rosenberg, Monday Night Rosenberg, a.k.a. And then I went to makeup and, like, sat in front of the mirror a little bit and got myself together. And then I was like... So is it kayfabe or not? Thank you. And I'm joined by Mr. I like delicious chicken. A.k.a. Oh, my goodness. A.k.a. It's professional wrestling. A.k.a. Bret Hart, the real... Wrestler. A.K.A. Hulk Hogan is the Sugar Hill Gang, right? A.K.A. And Bret Hart is Rakim. Oh, my God. The physical one. The physically large. S to the G to the G. How are you? Oh, man, I'm doing great. I'm glad to hear that, Greg. You're doing great. People need that. We need positive energy in the world. Why are you doing great? Yeah, I just got back from New Orleans uh, earlier today. What? Crystal's 30th birthday is coming up, so the extravaganzas start Start now. We did New Orleans for a couple of Good days. Good for you. Relax. Good for you. And next Friday, we're on to another, another trip. We're going to Belize next Friday. Belize next Friday. Belize next Friday. Wow, you better Belize. Things are going down. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey. Belizeans everywhere will be happy that you made that part. Here's some audio from uh, Greg's trip to New Orleans. WrestleMania 30, right here in the Silverdome. I can't believe I'm the special host here for WrestleMania. I'm sorry, it is the Superdome, brothers. I'm excited too. Rick Blair, you have made world put that cigarette out. So SGG, there's a lot to get to today, including uh mail that we did not get to from last week including updates from inside and outside the ring and in a little in a few minutes here because we're recording on a Friday night at a at 7:11 p.m. Eastern time we are going to do something we've never done on the show which is watch a live event together we won't do it minute for minute second for second or maybe we will or maybe we'll just let it run but I figured we'd watch the main event. Yes, not Saturday night's main event. The main event. When it was moved off of Saturdays, uh, I believe on Fox instead of NBC. Um, this episode aired on February 3rd, 1989. It features Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man Randy Savage against the Twin Towers. Plus, uh, you also have Hercules and the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase. This is the night of the famous incident between Macho Man and Hulk Hogan backstage. So, Greg, you got your computer nearby so you can fire that up as well? Oh, yeah, I'm ready to go. So we'll get to that. But first, anything outside the ring that you want to talk about, SGG? So um, sort of breaking news today, WWE opened a U.K. performance center to go along with the NXT uh, UK brand. They invited some media outlets out there and um, gave them a tour. Um, 
the trio known as British Strong Style, but individually is uh, Tyler Bate, Trent Seven, and Pete Dunn made the announcement on Good Morning Britain earlier today, and then they they jumped right over to this event. Uh, Triple H was there, Charlotte was there, um, Finn Balor was there, obviously British Strong Style was there, Rhea Ripley, NXT UK Women's Champion was there, and um, yeah, like I said, several media outlets. Major. And they got to tour the facility, and um, apparently it's like basically the same as the one um, in Orlando. Crazy. You know how I feel about that? How do you feel about I that? I was so happy. I am too. This is kind of cool. Um, I wonder who the coaches are going to be and like what else they're going to have for them as far as the training. Uh, you know how they have in Orlando. Shawn Michaels is down there and they bring in some guest trains. I'm wondering who they're going to cycle in. Over to the UK from time. Maybe it's the place we'll finally see the in-ring debut of Greg. Oh yeah, and maybe Fufu Shmashma. Who knows? Oof! Don't get my hopes up. I see. Uh huh. Uh, What else going on, Greg? Um, WWE also announced uh, a tournament for this Saturday and Sunday before the Royal Rumble. Of Royal Rumble Weekend, I should say. Major. Um, it's called the When Worlds Collide Tournament. It'll feature talent from NXT, okay. NXT UK, okay. and 205 Live. And the winner of the tournament gets to challenge for a title on any of those three shows. Hmm. And is, is that going to be during the Royal Rumble event? No, it'll, it'll be... You don't remember how last year uh, during WrestleMania Access they had a ton of matches going on. During Got the it. Day. So it's during the Access, for, right? Got it. Okay. So the majesty. Okay. It's a fifteen-man tournament, five from each show, and the way they're doing it is kind of interesting because um, it's going to be uh, they're going to do a battle royal first with the fifteen men in the tournament, and then the winner of that battle royal gets a bye and doesn't have to compete in the first round, and then the other fourteen men are going to compete in the first round of the tournament, join the winner in the second round of the tournament, and then just roll through till we have a winner. And then that winner of the tournament gets to challenge for um, any championship. All right. Well, uh, we'll see. We shall see. They're getting into these uh, events that happen between the events. I guess we'll have some of those going on here during uh, Mania Weekend as well. By the way, do we know where is everything at the Javits Center or is it out by MetLife? I would hope that the only thing out by MetLife is Mania. Right? But I'm not sure. I feel like they did Javits Center. No, what they, I don't know if they could have done Javits Center last time because of the car show. Let's see if there's any information yet. WrestleMania access. Um, nope, that's New Orleans. That's not this year, is it? WrestleMania access. Please don't make us go to New Jersey for anything but 
Yeah, I know. Please, please be in Brooklyn or. I'll even take Queens. I'll even take Queens. Just no, please, not New Jersey. Yeah, I, I don't. Oh, I would hope not. That's where it was last time, right? I'm pretty sure it was in Manhattan somewhere last time, but um, was it or was it at like Prudential Center? I'm not sure. Mm. I really hope so. All right, what else, SGG? Um, it's being reported at a lot of media outlets that Lars Sullivan um, is sort of going through it this this uh, this week. That he needed to take some time off. Um, they're saying that he no showed Raw and SmackDown and is back home in. Colorado taking some time off. Details are scarce, but it seems to be a mental health issue from what people can gather. Yeah, the word is that he had some sort of like panic attack. He was going to have dark matches on Raw and SmackDown and instead had panic attacks and wasn't able to do anything. And the word is also that he was in line to get a push for a match with John Cena at WrestleMania. Yep, so they, they don't they don't have any more details about the the push, the match or how he's doing. He, like I said, he's said to be back home in um Colorado, but beyond that not much is known about the situation and what's going on. Maybe he'll be replaced by Greg. Okay, sorry, too much of that. Uh, either way, I hope things get better for Lars Sullivan. Panic attacks are a real thing. And, uh, yeah, not the start you want after you finally get this opportunity that everyone's been waiting for. I mean, the truth is, I have not been excited about Lars Sullivan. I have not been super excited about any of the call-ups. Um, in fact, I have an email in today's mailbag. Maybe we'll do throughout the day today since there's a bunch to get to. Rosenbergbeats at gmail.com. Mail. Sweet Pete and Bible study Greg. <laughs> there's a problem in the WWE and it has only been strengthened by the new call ups. When I was watching TLC this weekend, this is from January 3rd, I saw four or five matches with superstars that seemed to be ha- hamstrung by too many cooks in the kitchen dilemma. Seeing superstars like Lashley, Elias, Balor, Rusev, and Rey Mysterio in matches and feuds that don't seem to help either superstar shows me that WWE has called up so many people to the main roster that the superstars are doomed to be forgotten. Looking at the call-ups, while I believe EC3 and Lars Sullivan, if used correctly, could be great for the mid-card and possibly main event scene, call-ups like Lacey Evans and Heavy Machinery, superstars who didn't really achieve anything in NXT, will do one of two things on the main roster. It will send these superstars into obscurity immediately as holes in their talent show under the bright lights or it will bury superstars that deserve to be in the main event scene in a ham-handed attempt to push the new talent. WWE calling up talent like Kyrie Sane and Undisputed Era, Velveteen Dream, could be really meaningful. Thanks, Frank. I I don't understand the call-ups that they made. I, yeah, I, I don't I, understand why they were introduced the way they were. With this weird, wacky promo. 
This may never make me popular, and I'm sure he could be a really nice guy. I know nothing about him personally. Don't see it with EC3. When all the when all the smiggity smarks got all excited, smarky smarks, regular kids, nerds, jocks. When everyone got excited about this EC3, and I hadn't been on TNA in a long time, and I'd missed out, I thought maybe I'm missing something big. And now I I don't quite see it. So it was weird to me that all of the people named, though some of them are talented uh, SGG, it was almost like a collection of some of the least over people in NXT. Yeah, it was. It felt like that anyway. But at the same time, at least on the main roster, I don't know if that if that matters. Like you know how well they did in NXT because when you think about like. Um, Let's take Rusev, right? He showed up. He wasn't really that big of a deal in NXT either. Showed up on the main roster, made a huge splash. Still is making that splashy United States champion right now. Rusev Day chance have been over for almost a year. True. I'm not um, saying not it can never happen. Level. Yeah. And then the same thing with Elias. Like nobody cared about Elias on NXT. And then almost immediately from the main roster, he's been able to build and build and build momentum to the point now where just like he strums the guitar and they show that spotlight and everybody's ready for it. So, you know, with heavy machinery, knowing how much they need a tag team to fluff out their tag team division, as we saw for Survivor Series, you know, they were, the colognes popped up and people were like, who? They could use another tag team to freshen up that division. Um, and the same thing with Lacey Evans. They could use more women to add to the women's division. So it's not guaranteed that these call-ups will fall into security, especially based on NXT success. No, just thought it was weird. Just thought it was a little bit strange. SGG, what happened this week in professional wrestling that you felt very strongly about? Well, there's two ways to answer that question. Well, based on WWE television, I've, I'm going to get to that one in a second, but the, a big news thing we missed out on too that I was saving for last was All Elite Wrestling had the little pep rally, not their little pep rally. Oh yeah, you went down, you went down and covered it. Jacksonville. Oh yeah, I was there. I was in a, I was in a Bullet Club shirt and mask, uh, so that nobody could detect my identity. We have we have actually some audio of Greg. They did a Q and A afterwards, and here's Greg. I just want to thank each and every one of y'all. For all you've done to your bodies, it's still real to me. Damn it! I mean, thank Take you. it easy, man. Take it easy, Greg. Yeah, they had their press conference, and um, it ended up being basically like a a roster reveal. They they introduced um, the owners of the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Cons, Shad Khan and Tony Khan, and their role within the company. Cody and the Bucks came out and, you know, they gave a speech. Um, Conrad was there as one of the hosts. Brandy Runnels. And, yep. And she was announced as, uh, the chief brand officer. And then they, they announced the event, Double or Nothing, taking place Memorial Day weekend, um, at the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas. Mm. And then they rolled right into, the roster reveal, and I, I gotta say, although, 
you know, this roster is quite white. They do have some you say, some you, good names and some big names. Did you say light or white? Sh- white. It's also light. Um, they definitely need to announce more more people and flesh out this roster, especially on the women's division. But um, Neville, uh, Pac, formerly known as Neville, if you want to go that route, he's announced as being a part of all of these. Yeah, roster. there he is. And uh, Joey Janela. So is Chris Jericho. Joey Janela, yeah. Frankie Kazarian, Christopher Daniels, Hangman Adam Page, Y2J Chris Jericho, um, Scorpio Sky, The Young Bucks, Cody Rhodes. Um, yeah, some good names here. Yeah. Still a lot of With work Baker. to do, but some good names here. Yes. Um, they didn't say anything as far as TV. Um, they didn't. They were asked about, you know, health insurance and what the status of their wrestlers would be versus WWE. And they did say that for now, their policy on health insurance and those types of issues would be the same as WWE's, but that they hope to go a lot further than WWE and provide full health insurance for all their wrestlers by giving them employee status. So they have some big plans in the works, um, I'm interested to see what type of TV deals they have and where they go from there, but right now it looks good. Still still waiting for them to announce Greg, but it didn't happen yet. They're saving the bigger good uh, point. announcements. Very for, good point. But later on down the road, I'm sure. So what'd you think of the what'd you think of the mean gene uh treatment? Um so I did not watch Raw. Oh. Red Flair, you what? have made world. Put that cigarette out. Okay. But I caught SmackDown. And so, they, you know, they showed the video package on SmackDown. Got it. And I sought out the video package before um, SmackDown aired anyway. Because they, they released it as a standalone without the Hogan segments that bookended it. And I thought it was really, really well done. Um, they managed to... To shoehorn in all, all of everybody's favorite Mean Gene moments, um, even some that I didn't even know about were in there. And yeah, WWE is the best when it comes to these video packages, so it's no surprise that that Mean Gene Oakland got a really high level send off. It was done. It was done well. Um, Hogan. Here's what I'll say about Hogan's uh, appearance on Monday. What the hell? Oh, here's what I'll say about Hogan's appearance on. Was that your official statement? Yeah, exactly. Here's what I'll say about Hogan's appearance on Monday. His performance was much better. What you gonna do when Hulkamania run wild on you? His performance was much better than his reception. Okay. He did not get a big pop. I mean, that's just a fact. I mean, if you're just being objective and you compare it to the return of different legends we've seen recently, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Ric Flair, Batista, people who are not even on Hulk Hogan's level, and you watch the crowd reaction. 
not a strong reaction. I wish someone had done a collection of of memes of black people's faces when he came out. Because there were definitely some looks of people were just kind of staring blankly. Um, so the reaction was not good. Um, but for what he has become, for the way that he does what he does now, which is just completely, you know, caricature Hogan it up. I'm going to prove, brother, that I can beat you anywhere, anytime. He did fine. He did a nice job honoring Mean Gene, um, and it was a good setup. He said a couple things that I thought were nice. So I wouldn't consider it an all-out failure. In terms of ways, if you were going to bring him back anyway, um, not the worst way to do it. Also, can- Not the best either, though. Well, was what was the best? Were they going to do my idea of him getting eliminated by all the black wrestlers in the Royal Rumble? <laughs> Probably not, but it, it's that one. That one. This one just felt cheap, and I know there was no. You're right. It is online. cheap. You're right. You're you're right. It definitely is cheap. I, I said not the worst. Not the best is also true, though, Greg. That's fair. Yeah. You know him. Him coming out in a storyline that made sense. You know, like if it was Velveteen Dream, if it was something, that would have been better. Um. It was, it was somewhat better than his performance in Saudi Arabia. Made a little more sense than that. Um, but no, it wasn't special. Um, it was sort of a way to do it quietly in a way that seemed logical. I certainly wouldn't say it was great. Um, it was risky too. It felt risky to me because like Mean Gene had such a great reputation. Um, and you almost and yes, it, it, a lot of it is tied to Hulk Hogan, but it hasn't been tied to what Hogan um, said on that tape and the racist rant at all, really. And so this felt like a little bit, almost not tarnishing Mean Gene's reputation, but it's like they were willing to sacrifice that to to um, help rehabilitate Hogan. Um, so that happened. Um, what else, Greg, that I want to, all right, here's what we're going to do. We'll start getting into things that happened. Who cares? Things happened. There's some cool stuff. There's some boating stuff. Um, we're going to get Sasha Banks and Ronda Rousey. We had the debut of a moment of bliss. We had Daniel Bryan opening SmackDown in the arena screaming at people, which I enjoy. I loved it. Love seeing Daniel Bryan yelling at people for using their plastic cups and drinking their vile soda. But before that, fire up your Saturday night's main event, as it's called, uh, February. No, this one didn't air on Saturday. It did right? not. February 3rd, 1989, and we're going to start it from the very beginning right now. Boom. You should see the images. You should see the newspaper. Today's news, super clash. You should see the mega powers, Hulk Hogan and the macho man, Randy Savage and the beautiful Elizabeth. Mania and madness together for mega powers. Then, of course, we look back when on a simple appearance with our dear friend, Bruce Pritchard, Hulk Hogan got beaten down. Oh, that's sinister. Sinister boss man going to work. 
The and now that we think about it, we we don't know what he said to Slick to make him have the African dream and the big boss man attack him. You mean Hogan? You're saying Hogan could have said something yeah, and Slick was in the right. We don't, we don't know what Hogan said to Slick. Very good point, Greg. But you, you got to a very good point. But no matter what, he's gotten boss man has no business putting his handcuffs on Miss Elizabeth. And then, of course, as Macho Man went for the pin on Akeem the African Dream, Big Boss Man showed up again with that billy club, but Hulk Hogan came down to his defense, and before you know it, here we go on primetime on a Friday night, the Mega Powers versus the Twin Towers. This is the main event. Classic updated intro, lots of Hogan, lots of Savage, lots of Elizabeth, lots of, oh, Slick, Slick doing his best SGG dance impression. Akeem the Dream, also a fine dancer. Akeem the African Dream. I apologize. Um, Hercules swinging his chain around. Ted DiBiase. Now, Greg, you must have enjoyed the storyline of uh, Hercules being the white slave. <laughs> was that what it was? Yeah. Ted DiBiase was always talking about Hercules being his slave. I mean, he didn't refer to him as white, but he always talked about him being his slave. I remember Virgil being being his slave. I didn't remember the Hercules, Ted DiBiase. Oh, no, no, no. I just recently watched this. A lot of talk of DiBiase calling Hercules a slave. (laughs) (laughs) As we take a look at at the beautiful Bradley Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Jesse, the body Ventura, looking only as he can look. As you can see here, they've updated the Saturday night's main event microphones at this point to just say the main event. And, of course, on Saturday night's main event, whether you love it or you hate it, you always got Vince McMahon on play-by-play and Jesse the Body Ventura. I enjoy Vince, but of course you guys know I prefer Gorilla and Bobby at all time. At all times. This is still 1989. This is still prime Jesse the Body Ventura wearing a pink flamingo t-shirt and a huge boa. Um, I'm guessing this was recorded after a day of tapings at some point in the weeks leading up to when it actually aired on February 3rd, 1989, as we were on our way, Greg, towards what, WrestleMania 5? Yes, we were on our way to WrestleMania 5. Um, according to my amateur research on... No research you do as amateur. You're SGG. This was, this was live, though. They said it was live. Yeah. They said that this was live, um, that they did five episodes of this um, main event, which was not Saturday night's main event, but in a similar time slot, and that the first three were live, and that the second, the last two were taped. And so this one was the second one, and supposedly this was live. A ton of dark matches beforehand. Now, by the way, what do you think, as, as you're watching Akeem the African Dream do his little dance there? What do you think he's thinking? I don't, I don't think he's just hoping the check's clear because he looks like he's very focused on getting the hand movements right, um, making sure the rhythm is on point. Now, and and this is it's not, but it still looks good. And and this dancing that he's doing and the face that he's making is obviously what someone at the time, if, if rumors are true, thought about Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. This is how they pictured Dusty Rhodes talking and acting, you know? Because if you even look at, like, uh, if you watch his face and the way he says things, it definitely, 
you can you can kind of get a little bit of it when you have that in the back of your head. Now, of course, we know the Twin Towers only work well with Akeem the African Dream actually being a white African, because as we know, with Big Boss Man being a Southern cop, the idea that he was going to get along well with a black African, not likely, Greg, not now, and certainly not in 1989. Well, that's what I was going to say, though. Like, um, I alluded to it earlier, but you re- like Hogan had to really cross a line when he, when, if you think about it, when he made the the white cop with the Confederate flag patch on his on his sleeve step up to defend um, the African dream and slick the jive soul, bro. If Hogan, whatever Hogan said to make those three get on the same page, wow. it had to be. It had to be. I got to tell you, this is a scorching take. What you're saying is, Greg, is that back in 1989, as I, I'm pretty sure they're entering to a jive soul, bro, because at that point, yes. Slick was so over. Um, yeah. You're saying that Hulk Hogan was so racist in 1989 that he managed to get a Southern Cobb County cop um, so by the way, slick hitting, <laughs> slick hitting the slickest of slick dances. Oh my gosh. That was amazing. And Hulk brought them all together as we take a look back now in time and see the emergence of the relationship between macho man and Hulk Hogan and Greg, let's be honest. It's probably never been done as well, either before or since. The combining of two baby faces that coming together was so mage. Has it ever been done? I can't. I can't think of of anything that comes close. They were both so over in their own right. They were so over together. And then Elizabeth so over herself that this combination, this moment, I remember Elizabeth bringing out Hogan, you need to help, you need to help. And then, of course, you see Hogan coming back to the rescue to help Savage at WrestleMania 4, yeah. helping him win the title. You believed it. And, and interesting, and, and interestingly, if you go back and really kind of hear about the history, it does sound like during this time, a real friendship really did develop between the two of them. Yeah, and I, I would believe that because, you know, to, this story is so well done. I've always said, even after um, the tape came out about Hogan, that this is probably the greatest story ever told in wrestling. The mega powers coming together and then breaking up and then exploding and the way they did it slowly over the course of these uh, main events and Saturday night's main events because they didn't have all those pay-per-views in between. Um, you know how they basically created SummerSlam to tell this story and then the the payoff was it was perfect. It's from beginning to end, Savage winning the title, all of it, perfect. This is amazing. You know, we don't even have volume up right now. And man, Mean Gene's so good. His his face is so good. His energy is so good. Even his mic placement is good. Everything about Mean Gene as he interviews the Mega Powers here is good. He knows how to look. He knows when to pick his spot and to get in while letting them completely do what they're doing. Nodding the way he, the way he needs to. Sort of acknowledging Elizabeth. Everything about Mean Gene. Perfect. Got to tell you, Prime Hogan, by the way. If you, if you were to ever want to know 
who was this Hulk Hogan character? When was he at his most Hulk Hogan? Yeah. He jacked. It's definitely this. This is it. He is absolutely jacked. Savage is on fire. I love that Sh- Savage had the Mega Powers robe made um, mm-hmm. during this time, which I did not remember. Um, and that's what I liked about the Mega Powers, too. Like, like you said, um, they matched. They looked like a team. In, even as much as they weren't, like, they never went after the tag team titles and they had, they still had their own goals and it was just like friends watching each other's back. When the Mega Powers came out, they looked like a team. They had a team name, they had an aesthetic, and they, they felt like they were a unit, which is all you want out of a tag team anyway. Speaking of Mega Powers, by the way, this weekend at the beginning of Raw, we did get a six-man tag from John Cena, who's now coming back to save both shows. Finn, John Cena, and Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre, Dean Ambrose, and Bobby Lashley with the always tight vest wearing Leo Rush. Good guys pick up the W. And John Cena, if you're wondering, did his promo in a hat to spare all of us. That became, that came before the celebration of Mean Gene's life. I would say that the really only major headlight headlines from the show were a moment of bliss with Alexa Bliss and Ronda Rousey, which led to a Sasha Banks Nia Jax match where Sasha won and earned a match against Ronda Rousey at the Royal Rumble. So, Greg, another thing that makes the Saturday Night's main event interesting, and in this case, the main event interesting, they often open with the main event. Yeah. Not always, but I feel like very often, because it was prime time, they didn't mess around saying, we're going to keep you around till 8 o'clock, you know, 10 o'clock to get, because I believe the main event aired, what, Greg, at 8? Yeah, it was it, it aired right in prime time. And you know what, though? Hmm. Now that you say that, I I feel like you are right. That the biggest matches went on first, and then, and then the lesser matches like sort of closed the show. Now, at this point, we've been on air for a, just over eleven minutes, so they're gonna get they're gonna get a quarter hour. They're gonna win a quarter hour here and do well just on the hype of the show starting. What is this? And getting right into previews of Macho Man and Hulk Hogan. So we're edging near 12 minutes now. There's not a lockup yet. At this point, Hogan and Savage are outside the ring getting advice from Miss Elizabeth. So you're getting all your biggest stars on TV. And you're going to get a full, almost a full quarter hour out of that on a show that here on the network, it's 47 minutes. So that means it ran, what, 90 minutes? Um, no, I think it went an hour. It went 60. So the main event was only 60? Yeah, they had commercials, and so, you know, obviously that cuts it down. You're sure um, your Saturday night's main event was 90, but you're sure the main event... Yeah, o- Saturday night's main event had the uh, the Saturday Night Live time slot, so they went they went 90 on Saturday night's main event, but the main event was 60, because it was a Friday, they gave them an hour in prime time. Wow, so they, so they still, so they ran, of the hour, 48 minutes, they only ran 12 minutes of commercials? I think they've only had one. Which is huge. They had one early stop set so far, 
And now, finally, we get our first lockup, 12 and a half minutes into the show, Bossman and Hogan, Hogan right away, fist after fist, here he comes, not a clothesline, another running punch, Slick steps up, he can get it on the apron, Akeem the Dream gets it, Atomic drop from the Hulkster, sends the Bossman over the top, he gets caught on the top rope, he's down to the floor, Macho Man's in the ring, hugging the Hulkster. (laughs) <laughs> the pandemonium. Early pandemonium. This is one of the many ways that a Hogan match can go. Hogan comes out of the gate flying as one of the Hebners is trying to gain control. And and can I say, the atomic drop. Do do you miss it? I miss it. It it is it is maybe the most unrealistic move in the history of wrestling. So is it kayfabe or not? Nah? It like that it hurts you so much you land on your butt and you have to jump out of the ring practically. It's a little confusing it's to still, me, but I'm here it's for still it. Beautiful. Still looks good. Let's take a, a, a email in the meantime, as I hope everyone's still enjoying. We the, could be in the middle of Miz country. We hope everyone's enjoying Hulk Hogan and Big Boss Man going to work. Mail. Um, all right. Well, this email is about me recommending the movie Searching for Sugar Man, which, by the way, is a great movie. If you haven't, if you haven't seen it, it's fantastic. That's the baseball movie, right? No, Searching for Sugar Man's a, a documentary about this musician who is from Detroit, but was only famous in South Africa, and didn't find out that he was famous in South Africa until like thirty years after he would retired. It's really interesting, searching for Sugar Man. But Christopher writes, I say, Rosenberg, huge fan. If you guys were forced to predict the WWE Championship match and the Universal Championship match at WrestleMania 35, what would it be? Also, you guys need to expose Drake for being a pedophile. Okay, I'm not going to get into the Drake video of him and a 17-year-old girl on stage. Just seems like I've already dealt with a lot of stuff like that this week. Don't know if that's the place. Um, SGG, uh... WWE Championship, Daniel Bryan, and? Not AJ Styles. They're already doing that. I don't think that needs to drag out all the way through to WrestleMania. So, maybe... If uh, if they can turn this guy around, although they don't really need to, I could be into a Daniel Bryan versus Shinsuke Nakamura uh, WrestleMania match for the WWE Championship. Nah, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying. It. Well, then sell me sell me on something better. Well, if it turns out that this Lars Sullivan thing is not happening. If it turns out that Lars Sullivan and John Cena is not happening, I like John Cena. And that opens up. I like John Cena, Daniel Bryan. How how, how, long, how long are you going to wait for? You can't wait forever for that. We could be in the middle of Miz country. I I just think. Yeah, no, I think you I think you won this round. Can't wait forever. Got to do it at some point. You're disrespecting your fanship of Daniel Bryan. 
So, and the things that they could say about each other in the in the promos, because us as fans, we enjoy as much of the mic stuff as we we enjoy the mic stuff as much as we enjoy the ring stuff. So, you let those two go at it, and uh, yeah. And we know they can work together too. Um, John Cena and Daniel Bryan at SummerSlam was a really good, good match a couple of years ago. So, what would you say for Universal? It looks like we're going to get Brock and Seth, and I would, I would enjoy that. But I feel like I would enjoy um, Finn and Brock just as much, if not more. You know, I don't know if I want either of those. It's definitely going to be Brock. Um, I don't see Braun becoming Universal Champion between now and uh, WrestleMania. Greg, you want to update us on what's going on inside the big ring down at the main event? Hulk Hogan is still in the ring. Um, he's just he just was on the receiving end of a spine buster by the big boss man, Macho Man Randy Savage is itching to get in, but uh quick tags and well timed distractions by Slick on the referee have, have kept Hogan um, in the ring. And Hulk Hogan has been has been eating some big moves. Like I said, there was that spine buster uh, right now. Akeem the African Dream is working the body. Um, just a few moments ago, Big Boss Man hit Hulk Hogan with a pile driver. Another quick tag. Boss Man is back in, and Hogan's being double teamed uh, right in the center of the ring. Randy Savage can do nothing but watch. There's a tag, but the ref doesn't see it. Oh, no, he's going to allow it. And Macho Man is in, finally. Here we go. Love this move when Savage jumps over the top rope. Just to choke you on the top rope. Nen Savage goes up top. High cross body. Takes down the African dream. The dream kicks out. Boss man came in. Didn't even need to come in. Vintage savage macho man fist. Oh, but you got to watch out. Because Slick, he's always on the outside wreaking havoc. And he does it again. That time with a cane to the lower back of the macho man. And now the African dream has taken control. And just like a great tag team. And you talked about it before, Greg. Not only the Mega Powers are a great tag team. Guess who else is a great tag team who learned to work together? The Twin Towers. Yeah. They know how to work together. Those quick tags are really effective. With the quick tags, they always have a fresh man in. And uh, the Mega Powers, too, they they burn bright. They they really go at full speed. But, you know. Double elbow. matches, they're a marathon. How comfortable do you think Akeem's unitard was? Oh, it looks like it might might have been real comfortable. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not sure if it's a unitard or if that that tucks into to uh, the pants that shirt. And another detail I'd never noticed: the shirt has a silhouette of the continent Africa on the back, and over top of it it says Akeem. It's real faint. <laughs> but it's there. I never noticed that. And now Akeem is going to throw Macho Man through the middle rope, but he takes out Miss Elizabeth. Mm, we came back at a at a good time because now we've reached a critical point in the match because this this is really what um 
what precipitates everything we've alluded to before. Oh no, this is this is this is for you. Where you believe Hulk Hogan really turns, he wakes up Macho Man, and he starts trying to help the very dainty, the very injured Miss Elizabeth. He's looking around, Macho Man getting his bearings. Savage looks over at Hogan helping. He points at Hogan touching Elizabeth. Doesn't understand what's happening. Starting to talk to him. Hogan's not even listening. Let's be honest. Hogan doesn't even look at him. (laughs) Hogan never once looks back at Randy Savage. And then as Macho Man's looking at him, blindsided, the dream, going to work with a powerful right hand on the back of the Macho Man. Hulk Hogan's outside the ring looking for help. Apparently there's no paramedics here to help Miss Elizabeth. The, wow, Hulk Hogan employing CPR tactics as he puts his head <laughs> close to the chest of Miss Elizabeth before deciding as inside the ring the Twin Towers have their way with Macho Man. Hogan's not worried about it. Miss Elizabeth could be gone. He's lifting her up. He's looking. He looks into the ring. He says, for the first time, he says, Macho Man, he notices Macho Man is picking up offense. So he says, Macho Man, you got this. And in the meantime, Hogan walks off with Miss Elizabeth in his arms. Now, Savage looks from the ring and goes, well, what the hell is going on here? Why is this man walking off with my wife? He's confused. And And now overlooked. Here comes Boss Man with a kick to the back. Finally, the medics. Finally, the medical staff. And now you would think this would be. Now, if Hulk Hogan wasn't a bad guy, in your opinion, he would leave her with the medics and come back to the ring. Right. Because um, in situations like this, um, when when first responders arrive on the scene, you know, as a good Samaritan, your inclination is to help a lot of the time. But sometimes in offering your assistance you you get in the way of the professionals and and you really make things worse. Um, at this point, he's just dragging the other medic at the back of the stretcher who can't keep up pace. So now, yes, Elizabeth is going to get to the ambulance or wherever they're taking her to administer these services. But but it seems like Hogan's really in the way right now. They're taking her to the back to some sort of room. Obviously, these are professionals. They're wearing jackets that say medical services. They bring her to some sort of medical area. Hogan is helping moving her from one gurney to another. Now, surely he'll go back to the ring to help Savage. Nope. Instead, oh, now he's taking her hand in his and kissing it. And praying. And praying to God. (laughs) God Now, I have a question. What is, they're they're putting the blood pressure thing around her uh, right arm. He's holding her hand. He's kissing it. Savage out in the ring by himself. My question is, what is the worst the injury could have been? She was crashed into by her husband onto a softish blue mat. Softish. Most of her body did land on the blue mat. But um, if if we were able to rewind the tape, you might see that her head might have been on that concrete portion of the floor. But even if it didn't, that's just one. She still shouldn't um, be dead. No, she she shouldn't be dead. But she she could be knocked out, possibly concussed. Because even if she does land on the mat, that's just one point of impact. Um, Savage's at least one of Savage's boots does make contact with Miss Elizabeth. Now we just came back from break, twenty four minutes into the show, second commercial, and you see Macho Man's in the ring, and now here it's even worse because now we see <laughs> yeah. Miss Elizabeth's awake. 
she's talking to Hogan. Where's Randy is her first word. Is that what she said? She comes out of this. Yeah, where's Randy? Where's Randy? Hulk's, and, uh, and Hulk goes. Hogan explains he's in the ring. He knocked you out, but he didn't mean to. He goes, where's Randy? And Hulk goes, where? He goes, who? You know, Randy <laughs> right. Savage. She, um, oh, oh, oh I, I got to get out there. So now Savage, who's getting his rear end kicked as we hit the 25-minute mark into the main event, Akeem the Dream is just working him over in the middle of the ring, hitting his Dusty Rhodes dances, tagging in Boss Man casually. They've got a two-on-one. Yeah, because you have to think that in a, in a tag team match, if quick tags um, are the the best, most effective strategy, then not being able to make a tag and not even having a partner ha- has to be on the total opposite end of the spectrum. It has to be be terrible for your tag team game. But... No fears. Hulk Hogan is back. He's standing on the apron. But in what frame of mind, though? You have to you have to ask yourself um, what's on the Hulkster's mind, and even what's on Savage's mind, um, because these these athletic contests they're just as much mental as they are physical. And uh, the Twin Towers are on the same page. Slick still feeling good. He's outside the ring, but. The Mega Powers don't even have Miss Elizabeth at this point. A crucial piece of their their team is missing. And then, are they on the same page, Hogan and Savage? Are they even in sync? Um, at this point, we don't know. But you have to assume that it's not, not good. And now, at this point, Savage has to be so pissed off. Now, in the meantime, before we end up in the back here, SGG... Um, after the end of this match, was there anything big from SmackDown you wanted to discuss? Well, just like Raw ends with us getting a major women's match for the Royal Rumble, SmackDown, not to be outdone, sets up Becky Lynch versus Asuka for the SmackDown women's title at the Royal Rumble when uh, Becky Lynch beats Charlotte and Carmella. And there you have it, by the way. Savage smacks Hogan, 27 minutes in, and now Bossman attacks Hogan. And now Savage is walking away. He's sickened. He's sickened by what Hogan has done. And and you have to, you know, I love this. Savage smacks Hogan in the face, and um, it's it's legal. It's considered a tag. So Hogan is now the legal man. Oh, wow. What a double, what a double whammy. By Savage. People reaching out to try to touch him. No siree. He's angry. He's confused. Does he want to go to the back? Not a lot of merch being worn at this event, in case you're wondering, by the way. No, but there, there is a grown man in the in a Hulk Hogan shirt on the aisle who is taking... He's highly offended that Savage is walking off. Oh, no. They went for the double splash. Akeem and the boss man miss. Hogan's looking to get help from Savage. Savage says, no siree. Hogan says, come on up here. Get up to this apron, brother, and tag in. We can do this. We're a team, brother. We're the mega powers. Yeah. Savage says, no, no, no. I'm going to get my title, and I'm going to leave you to it. Catch you on the flippity yeah, flop. Hogan walks to the adjacent corner looking for a tag, which at that point, it wouldn't even be legal. Um, Savage is nowhere near the tag rope. So Savage he grabs his title. Savage, he's out of there. Savage is in a rush to see Elizabeth, but not before grabbing his title. 
For- and I will say this. Um, Savage leaves to the back and he looks back at the ring. It's not a belt. It's a title. He looks back. Far more often than, uh, than Hogan looked back to the ring when Hogan was on his way out with Miss Elizabeth. And now the dream hits Hogan with the splash. One, two. Hogan kicks out. No, no, no. He shakes it off. So what's going to happen? Two on one situation. Savage is gone. Akeem the African dream. Hogan's hulking up. And you know you're in trouble with this Hogan, with this Hogan. Once his hair, once the, 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 the shaggy, sweaty part of his hair is a bouncing in the back, you're in trouble. And I, and, and, and Greg, we have Hogan. We have to admit, no matter what we feel about Hogan, I love those big punches from the Hulkster. Yeah. And I was going to say, this is when Hogan's at his most dangerous because, um, and and something that I didn't even think think about as the Mega Powers came down. You know, I mentioned that they had Miss Elizabeth and that Hogan and Savage were a great combination, but I hate to say it, but they also had the Hulkamaniacs. That's always they were always there uh for Hulk Hogan. And they always showed their face when he needed them the most at the end of the match and powered him through. And now though, after getting the pin on Akeem the Dream, Boss Man's in the ring trying to handcuff Hogan instead. Instead, Hogan handcuffs Boss Man to Slick, and Hogan gets the hell out of Dodge. So you talk about superhero status. Hogan takes Miss Elizabeth to the back, makes sure that she's okay, comes back, saves Savage, gets turned on by Savage, gets attacked by the Twin Towers, Beats well, them both. Turned on yet, but definitely abandoned. Well, no, he got slapped in the face, Greg. You, you, I don't want to argue semantics. He, he earned that one. That may he be so, but he didn't know that that was happening. So he still turns around and gets smacked in the face. Ends up getting the win, coming back, and now here's a, a very supportive macho man who's screaming at his wife while she's in pain. <laughs> She's in pain, holding her stomach, and Macho Man is ranting and raving in a jealous rage like a psychotic lunatic. Hogan walking down, and now remember, we are now at this point 31 minutes in. So they've gotten your two biggest stars in the company on television for 31 straight minutes with two quick breaks in here. But more importantly than that, they've told told an excellent story. So if you're someone who... um, is not a wrestling fan and maybe your kids have finally got you to tune in because something is going to happen on prime time and you're watching. Um, the action in the ring is cool, but the melodrama that's playing out um, in front of you, in front of everybody, is, is, is definitely captivating, even now. And now this is the moment. Miss Elizabeth trying to get up. Hogan and Savage fighting over Elizabeth and what happened. Savage with his finger. That finger, the most demonstrative finger in the history of the wrestling business, taped up and pointed right in Hulk Hogan's face. You got jealous eyes. Jealous eyes, brother. Now Hogan's saying, hold on one second. Hold on. Hold on. You don't understand. You don't understand. Once Macho Man turns his back on him, 
And then he turns back around with that pointed finger right in his face, takes the finger, points at Elizabeth, now back at Hogan. Oh, and then grabs Hogan by the chin and pushes him, then backs off a second, says, hold on one second, but here comes that pointed finger, pointed to the title. You're jealous of the title. You're jealous of, of Elizabeth. The pointed finger back to the face of Hogan. Hogan say, no, it's not like that, brother. You don't understand. Oh, he understands exactly what it is. He understands exactly what you're doing, Hulkster. Hulkster's now trying to cop a plea, but it's too late. The finger's wagging. Oh, and now the finger wagged right on Hogan's nose, who shoves Macho Man's hand away. Macho Man going back and forth with Hogan. Hogan's still pleading as the anger grows. It's savage. It's Hogan. The finger back in Hogan's face. Miss Elizabeth trying to make her way to her feet from the gurney, but she's still in pain. Hogan turns, and boom, before you know it, the belt comes crashing across the forehead. Macho Man breaking up the mega powers with the WWE Championship across Hulk Hogan's face. Macho Man and his yellow mega powers tights on top of Hulk Hogan. And now Miss Elizabeth runs over to Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. I'm going to splatter you right on top of him. What he says to her, he's... Highly upset. Woo, oh, if, oh my. I did not remember. If she wasn't hurt before. She's definitely hurt now. I did not remember, by the way. Not appropriate. <laughs> no. I did not. I did not remember. And now, who was that? Was that Janetti? That was uh, Brutus DeBarber Beefcake. Okay, it was Beefcake. And I did not remember him tossing Miss Elizabeth so badly. He t- yeah, I, I hope I hope there's a crash pad or something back there because she she went flying out of the frame. And now Beefcake, Beefcake trying to break it up. Savage is turning over the gurney. Savage has lost it. This is a man who's lost his mind. Hogan's trying to get up, and now Savage says, "No, I think I'll get out of here now." And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. It took. 34 minutes and 17 seconds of the main event to really tell one of the great friendship breakups of all time. And as we pointed out, now we come back, they take a break, they come back 35 minutes in and they're just going to give you a, they're just going to give you Hercules and Ted DiBiase, a little bit of action here. But what an unbelievable 34 minutes it was and Greg that was all the way back wait for it are you ready I'm ready in three weeks this event is 30 years old 30 1989 and we are now in 2019 brother Oh, I'm sorry. Of all the Saturday night's main events and main events, this has to be like the biggest one, right? I think it's the most important Saturday night's main event or main event of all time. Yeah, I do. And now you cut back. By the way, up there because you know Andre and Hogan, the rematch was pretty. That's big too. Now 35-39 into it, they're backstage, Beefcake, Hogan, and there's Mean Gene being perfect Mean Gene, handling a situation with seriousness. Because now now he's got to be the reporter guy who's covering what is a very, very serious situation backstage. A situation that will set the tone for the mega powers exploding just a couple of short months later in Atlantic City. 
Yeah. And, and then it also sets the tone for for the next few years of Savage's career, which is kind of crazy to think about. It really does. Savage and Miss Elizabeth split, and um, they don't reunite until, what, WrestleMania 7? 8? Not for a while. It takes a long time. All right, Greg, you want to read a little bit of mail? This has been fun. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it. We got to do this again. You guys can tell us, RosenbergBeats at, at gmail.com if you enjoy it. I know a lot of people do stuff like this. Hope our take's a little different. Um, let's see. Let's go to... Uh, Adam writes us... Let me get my drop ready. Hold on. I got to be all ready. Mail. Hey, Greg and Greg. Is wearing a Hulk Hogan shirt to a WWE event the equivalent of wearing a Confederate flag shirt or a MAGA hat? I'm obviously going to leave this to Greg. Um, although, no, I'm going to give you my personal uh, opinion also. Sorry. No, not even close to Confederate flag or MAGA, ev- or MAGA hat. Hulk Hogan is a character. If you wear a shirt that says, I agree with Terry Bollea, different conversation. I'm not saying it would be my top choice for events. But I have some classic Hogan shirts I have not thrown away. Greg. Yeah, um, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's as harsh, but it's definitely on the spectrum because it sends, especially if like you, if you're wearing one, then it's in poor taste. If, but if you're wearing one that you already had, then it's like, I already had this. What if it's like, Greg, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? What if it's like the Mega Powers Explode shirt, dude? That's like a cartoon of him and Savage. Well, no, what I'll say is if you're buying one, no, no, he didn't say buying. Yeah. He said wearing to an event, an old shirt to an event. Well, yeah, that's why I say like it sends a message, but like does it really? So I don't know. Wearing one is is tough because there are people who say they don't agree with what he said, but then would still wear the shirt and like support the merch and all that. But um, still gross. I wouldn't do it. But buying one, definitely, definitely, um, sort of makes you trash. Uh, I want, I, I have a lot of conversations about race with many people, um, many black people, many white people. I would like to say on this subject, Greg is so far and away the most sensitive person on it. Uh, there's not even a second place I've ever met. Not even close. And that's not to say that you're wrong, but I will say, cause you certainly your opinion. I don't know that I know anyone who would think that wearing like an old cartoon Hogan shirt would offend them. I, I don't, I don't know that I'd meet anyone else. I wouldn't be offended. I'd side eye it though. Like it doesn't necessarily send the exact same message as a Confederate flag or a MAGA It doesn't hat. necessarily like, send the exact same message as a Confederate flag. Do you hear the words that you're using? No, it's true though because Roland, it does, think about the age that we think about the age that we live in, right? Some people do things without thinking or caring, but then some people deliberately do things to antagonize other people. So when I say it doesn't necessarily send that message, that's me taking into account that I don't know why that person is wearing that shirt. Well, I would say this for you. Yes, it does. And for you specifically, it, it potentially sending that message is totally reasonable. And so for that reason, I could see why someone might not want to wear it. But what I'm saying is, for example, the other day I said to two people, Something about Hulk Hogan coming back, and it's the first time since controversy. And these are people who are aware of the world, and they went, what controversy? 
And I went, and I went, you know, the whole, and they're like, oh, the sex tape thing? And I was like, yeah, but you know, there was like racist stuff in there. They're like, oh, really? I didn't even know that. I just know there was a sex tape. My point being, no one would, there's no one in the world who would say, oh, Confederate flag? No, I didn't even know that was associated with the racist history. You know what I'm saying? There's no. Yeah, but these, but wrestling fans are different though, right? You have to place it in that context too. Wrestling fans know what happened with Hulk Hogan because he, he went away for what, three years and people had to explain like, oh, well, he said some stuff. I think all it, I think all it connotes is you don't prioritize the bad stuff that has happened. And so, and so that is, that is, one has every right to view that as offensive. Like, you and you have every right to view that, the, uh, view that as offensive that you obviously don't care that much about. But like for example, I have a Mega Powers Explode shirt, not throwing it away. I have um I have a, a WrestleMania Seven Hogan shirt. I don't I wear it as like an under. I would like wear it around the house. I wouldn't actually ever wear it out. I don't even know if I'd wear the Mega Powers Explode shirt out. But I didn't throw it away because it's a cartoon yeah. of a character. If it was but also. Because he still has time to like make it right now. He's that doing too. nothing to. That too. He's, he's doing nothing to go in that direction. But like I said, if you're buying one now and just telling people like they need to get over it or being antagonistic and telling people how to feel about the subject, then like you're you're not in Confederate flag MAGA hat territory. But you, the person who's doing that, is definitely walking in that direction because they're not. You know what I mean? They're not doing it because they like Hogan. They're doing it to antagonize and to cause problems. Fair point. And those people push it in that direction. That's why I say it doesn't necessarily send that message because then you need more information about the person in the shirt. But the shirt doesn't doesn't send any any good signals. It doesn't make my spidey sense ring off in a positive way. Well, uh, to answer the question, you obviously got you, – you could obviously tell – there are certainly people who feel strongly about it, so maybe you should keep that in mind if you're considering. The question is not necessarily, not necessarily. Yeah, it's not necessarily a good idea, not necessarily a bad idea. Um, yeah. Depends what the shirt is. Hey, yeah. um, all right, here's another one. Let's see. Male. Hey guys, your conversation about the women's tag team titles got me thinking. They don't really take the men's tag titles seriously. Do you think they will with the women? I don't. But the point of my email. Thoughts on a single secondary title for the women, like a women's IC title? I think it would do. I think it would do well, like for someone like Bailey, Sasha, Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville. Thanks. Keep up the good work. P.S. Love the picture of you, and as Iron Sheik would say, Gene Mean, stay mage. Jeffrey from Massachusetts, who doesn't have Twitter. Don't worry, I don't have Twitter either, Jeffrey. I actually love that idea. In some ways, you could argue that a secondary women's title might be even better than a, a tag title. Yeah. I like that idea too, especially because like it gives the women who who aren't who aren't in the main event this uh, division it gives them something to to work for. Honestly, it keeps the whole the whole division interesting when they have something else to focus on. Because right now you have Naomi and Mandy Rose fighting over a man, which is not eh, it's not the greatest look. Two thousand nineteen. I do like that idea though, because Bailey and Sasha, they just don't feel like they're in the big title picture anymore, even though Sasha now has a title match coming up with Ronda Rousey. 
Ooh, this is an interesting one. Mail. The case against China. There's been a lot of talk about how China most certainly deserves a place in the WWE Hall of Fame. Allow me to present a counterpoint. One I don't even necessarily feel strongly about, but is yet to be considered by the Smarks. Pete Rose. Pete Rose, by any conceivable metric of performance, should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Pete Rose conducted himself, though. The Major League Baseball, baseball journalists believe in a way which disgraced the game. A precedent has been set that other factors outside performance which might prevent a person from representing their sport company in commemorative hall. China has done hardcore pornography. There's no getting around that. If the WWE, a public company aimed at children, feels that this does not represent their company in a light positive enough for her prior accomplishments to make up for it, uh, don't they have some common sense grounds to make that decision? When Triple H said a child might Google her to see who she is and find something they weren't expecting, I felt that was a salient point. They might always find her on their own, but the WWE certainly isn't obligated to promote her. Anyway, stay made. Yours truly, the Smark from Tacoma Park, the Mofo from MoCo, never bland in Maryland. Those are great <laughs> nicknames, James. Um, re- totally reasonable. Totally reasonable. Now, we can, we, we can get into a whole argument about other people. And whether they belong, you know, um, but when it comes to the fact that hardcore pornography does exist and came afterwards, I, I think it's a reasonable point to be made. I'd have to go person by person because there are some people that are questionable who are already in the Hall of Fame. But yeah, I'll say this. hardcore porn is a different sort of animal altogether. I'll say this. This is like a weak case against China, if you ask me, because – one, he brings up Pete Rose, right? He says that there's a metric that says that if you conduct the way you conduct yourself outside of the game keeps you out of the Hall of Fame as a precedent. Yeah, for the Baseball Hall of Fame. China's not trying to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. She's trying to get into the WWE Hall of Fame. Also, it should be noted, Greg, real quick, that Pete Rose was in Rose trouble in for gam- he was in trouble for gambling on baseball, which is why right. what precludes him from the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Continue. And, and Pete Rose accepted this lifetime ban. It wasn't like thrust upon him without, you know, by, by an arbitrary, even though commissioner's decisions sometimes can be arbitrary. It wasn't just thrown out on him and he was told to accept it. Like he, he chose this, but also Pete Rose is in the WWE Hall of Fame. So, good point. um, that's, that weakens the argument right there. But then when you think about, right, China, if hardcore pornography should have kept her out, then there are things that should have kept other people out. Who they? There are people who've gone in and had way bigger controversies, um, some racial controversies, some homophobic controversies, and they went in and they were celebrated. And more than anything, WWE is a PR company, right? You have Hogan as a perfect example. If they want to change the narrative on anything, they can and have historically been very, very, very effective at doing so. So if WWE wanted to send her to the Hall of Fame, um, they could do it and do it in a way that makes you forget that she ever had um, that controversy. Or not not even a controversy, that she, that she had that in her past. Um, Sonny went into the Hall of Fame and has a similar past. Who did? So, just Sonny. Right. 
the standard doesn't even seem to be applied um, evenly. If they wanted you to think about China differently, um, it could happen easily because they do it all the time. I think you made a lot of salient points that make sense. Um, they could act, they could totally change the narrative and even add to the point that like when it does come up, it's like sometimes people make mistakes in life and you know, right. she doesn't need to be judged for that forever. Her, her, her contributions are just so important in ring to me. So I hope they figure Same. it out. I'm currently, we have to wrap this up and I'm currently so dreading walking outside cause it's now 820 at night in New York city. It is so disgustingly cold on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, it is, it says it's 27, which means it's going to feel like it's like 12. Like it's not even, not even reasonable at all what it's going to feel like outside. Yeah. You guys send your prayers, prayers up for Peter Rosenberg who has to brave, brave this long trek home. Mail. Eric writes us, Sweet Pete and SUG, did you see the Allstate Mayhem guy doing the what chant during the national championship game? Add that to we don't set the bar, we are the bar ripoff. Yo, there are, that commercial of the guy going, what? 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 The amount of WWE ripoff commercials right now is out of control. Yeah. I wonder though, WWE, the, the alumni from their writing room, uh, people go to so many different industries out so far and wide. I wonder if it's like a random WWE, former WWE writer who's just like pitching people like, you know what we need to do. <laughs> and then there's just selling them on old promos. Yeah, maybe. Last one. I'm going to end on a good note here, SG. This is a good one. Mail. Lidge writes us. The mortal Pete Rosenberg. How dare you? <laughs> I would rather I would rather you if you address me say Sweet sweet Peter Rosenberg or David Rosenberg. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> David Rosenberg. David Rosenberg. Oh, I'm sorry. You're I'm hurting me. What did you say? To get to Peter from David. It took him a long time. And now I haven't seen Mike in probably a year and a half or two years. So I wonder David again. I wonder if I see Mike again. Will he hit me with a... David Rosenberg. Because he, he, he already knew me well by then. He'd already know me. Mike had already... Know, we'd already done so many episodes of the podcast, which you can still find out there. All the old episodes of uh, Bite the Mic are all there. David Rosenberg. But he'd also been up to hot, right? He did a Juan Epstein, and I feel like he called you David every time. Every time. I, I've, At least once. I dreamed of knowing Mike Tyson. Dreamed of it. Pictured it. Like a psychopath. I would sit around and picture being friends with Mike Tyson. And then it eventually happened. Years later, we did a podcast. Did like, how many episodes they got up here on this thing? Like 40, right? It was a good amount. It was so botched, by the way, that whole episode. The whole operation was such a friggin' botched job. It gets me so mad. It could have been so good. The concept of it between the two of us, the relationship we had was just so potentially good. Uh, let's see. Available episodes. Where is it? 
if it makes you feel any better, you got to meet your hero, Mike Tyson, and develop a friendship and uh, work together. And I got to meet my hero, Bret Hart, and he thinks I'm a mute. It's a good point. So there is that. That should get you to sleep a little bit better at night. Looks like there's like... Like 35 episodes. Okay. Up there. So different, different ep- You know, some are better than others. So the, be- the Lennox Lewis uh, ones were pretty good. Lennox is good. Um, Big Boy, the radio guy, is good. Um, mm-hmm. um, Dana White was pretty good. Flavor Flav is pretty good. Russell Simmons pretty. It's it, it just could have been better. That's all. Um, which frustrates me, but that's neither here nor there. Damn, I can't believe the last one that I actually did with him was like a year. It's been like a March. I did Jim Gray in March 2018. So that'll become a Jim Ross episode too. Yeah, I did Jim Ross, but but Mike wasn't on that one. It was just me and Jim Ross. Anyways, here's um here's the email to wrap things up from uh, Lidge before I get completely carried away and forget what I'm actually here to do. Mail. I got to say, All Elite Wrestling is the best thing to happen in wrestling in forever. Now, don't jump on me for being the elite mark because I'm not. I mean this from a quality of the business standpoint. It doesn't take a genius to know that competition makes the product better, and WWE hasn't had real competition in 17 years. Now, do I think AEW will be a success? No idea. But what they allegedly have is buying power. They have the money to draw. Not necessarily the main eventers from WWE, but the mid-carders who have potential. uh, But who have been lost amongst... A two-bloated roster on Raw, SmackDown, NXT. If nothing else, this will force WWE to take a look at who they push, who they ignore, and whether either makes sense. They won't be able to simply banish talented folks to house shows with no real push because they don't have any other option. Question. What do you think this does to NXT contracts? Will WWE risk letting guys get exposure and skill on NXT only to forego a main roster push to go do something like AEW. Mark is as a Mark does. Lidge. Great email, Lidge. And I, I don't know about what they do about NXT contracts. That's above my pay grade. But I'll, I'll tell you this. I agree wholeheartedly about it changing the way that they think about things. You just have to think differently about what you're doing with talent. You have to. I agree and not disagree too at the same time. Like, first of all, yes, competition does make the product better. But AEW isn't competition simply by forming. They actually have to be, they have to compete with WWE on certain levels. So we don't know if they're going to get there yet to even be able to push some change. And then when he talks about, you know, burying talent on house shows and things like that, as a fan, I think that we think about the business one-dimensionally in that respect. Um, And me too, I'm guilty of it too, where there's a wrestler that I like and I want them to get in the ring and do some wrestler things. But I don't know what happens behind the scenes because you got to think about like 
like people like Mike Kanellis and and Kurt Hawkins, and for a long time even um, Curtis Axel, they weren't in like these prominent positions, and they are people who are good wrestlers and good hands in the ring, and they seem happy and they don't feel the need to be on TV all the time. And even like Finn Balor posted on social media once that he really does not care about championships and titles and all those things. And there are wrestlers that do, but for the ones that don't, I feel like they are quite happy in WWE playing these roles that we wouldn't wish for them. So I don't, I mean, maybe it moves the needle. Maybe it doesn't, but I really don't know what else, like there's more to the business than what I see as a fan and which is the in-ring product. Well, that is a great point out of you, Gray, because a lot of fans really do see the place that someone is on the roster as a much bigger indicator of their happiness than exists. Right. The the people who are happiest are just there doing their job. And, like, and if their job is to be a part of Titus Worldwide or if their job is to be in the most serious thing, they're just there to perform and be on the show. Right. It's a great and point. We feel like they're being wasted when they're not doing what we want them. Exactly, to do. but guess what? That's that's what makes us marks, and not them. <laughs> right. That makes them guys who just love the business and do their job. You know so me. I don't know if it moves the needle. That that's way. like me. I could be the general manager of Raw. I just like doing the kickoff shows. Yeah. Well, I could be doing this. Nothing wrong with that. I could be doing this. See, it's managing. It's managing manager of general. <laughs> Excuse me. Another man who's been waiting anxiously with anticipation. His name is Jeff Harvey. I haven't, Harvey. I haven't even been able to do kickoff shows recently because I've been stuck in New York. I don't even know. I don't even know when my next return to television will be. But um, the fact of the matter is, sometimes you're not living and dying for the spot. You just love being a part of it and fitting in your role when you fit in, and you're able to do it. Uh, right. Not comparing myself to a wrestler, but I, I do understand the mentality a little bit. And we as fans, we lose sight of that because we, we want to see them in the spot. We feel like they're being wasted when somebody else is in the spot. And that's not, that's not necessarily the case. And for some people, there are there's going to be those people who jump ship and probably try to get a bigger role and who have different aspirations. But that's the other thing, too. We don't, we don't really know their aspirations. I'll tell you who's never wasted. David Rosenberg. All right, SGG, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I know we didn't cover everything there was, but I did have a ball uh, doing it. This was a good episode. A little bit of mailbag, a little bit of modern stuff, a deep dive. Yeah, You have Black, you, you have black Power Rankings, or you want to save them for next week? Yeah, let's save them for next week. Let's make, let's make the people wait. All right, we'll bring them back next week. We'll wrap it up here. Um, good night. Good luck. It's written. That's right. SGG, do me a favor. Stay mage. Oh, yeah, and enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself, man. Thank you, Paul, Peter, Rosenberg, whatever your name is. I guess thanks to him, too.